Well, good morning. So glad you're joining us for Q&A this morning. Um, as usual, the number is up on the screen. So if you have questions from the sermon this morning, uh, we encourage you to text them in and Doug will be here in just a minute. So would love the opportunity to answer those questions. And, you know, as he's talking about scripture and the truth of scripture, um, sometimes that brings up questions about, is the Bible trustworthy? You know, a 2000 year old book, how can that apply? So I wanted to let you know, we have some pretty cool resources on our website. So if you go under the media tab um, on the drop down there, you'll see resources. And the first one there is, is the Bible trustworthy? Uh, there's some documentation as well as a video and even a book that you can read that goes through um, speaking to those questions of inerrancy in the Bible or is a 2000 year old book applicable? Um, that was actually a question we had in Q&A a couple weeks ago when uh, Tony uh, taught that Sunday. And, you know, we talked a good bit about how um, even though circumstances may change, those heart issues are still the same. And so really grateful that the Word of God applies in all situations. And also wanted to encourage you as well, you know, in the review in the beginning, Doug talked about advancing the gospel and mentioned the DBS training um, during the service. Hello. Um, so we, if you are still interested and can't make it this morning for the DBS training, please let us know. Email us, info at cfcjacks. Um, dot com or carol r at cfc jackson also if you have questions about alpha at home which was mentioned a couple weeks ago um, another great opportunity to take the scripture into your community and your neighborhood so if you're even have a question mark even a thought that you might be interested please let us know we'd love to walk you through it answer any questions and encourage you in that welcome hey you got here quickly <laughs> i ran i was so rude <laughs> those in the room because i'm like i gotta run out but uh it is what it is yeah just tell them yes, <laughs> they're <sorry>. waiting <laughs> <clears throat> well awesome well we do have a question uh, to get us started this oh, morning so we'll okay. go ahead and get rolling um so a question about uh, scripture so can someone who isn't saved understand scripture hmm. i've known people to read it and turn away from god yeah. very good question um <clears throat> there's a passage in first corinthians that I want to make sure I reference when I answer that question. So the question is, can a person who is not born again, the Spirit of God does not live within mm -hmm. them, can they read Scripture and understand, understand. Scripture? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this. Um, I'll start in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not only in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and, they, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. In other words, they're spiritually understood. Mm -hmm. But he who is spiritual, that is, the Spirit of God lives in them, appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For he who has known the mind, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So I read all those verses. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, started at verse 12, went through the end of the chapter because it very clearly says the word of God 
cannot be understood except by the Spirit of God. Now, you may think, but I don't understand. I just thought you said at the end of the message that the Word of God is a powerful tool to bring people to Christ. If they read it and they're not born again, they won't be able to understand. Ah, this is, this is the grace of God. What the Word of God does for the person who is not yet a believer, and this does it for the believer as well, but what the Word of God does for the believer is it brings the conviction that the righteousness of Christ is not present in their life. The law of God, the Word of God brings conviction and brings them the invitation. So they are not able to understand it apart from the Spirit of God working in them to bring understanding. As a believer, when I study the Scripture, or when Tracy studies the Scripture, we're always dependent upon the Spirit of God to be our teacher. So when I invite a belie- an unbeliever to read the Word of God, I am inviting them into a process, not by which their human minds will go, oh, I get it but by a process that the Spirit of God will bring the Word of God to bear on their life that will bring conviction and then understanding of the gospel where they would be born again. So, no, no one can understand the Word of God because it is spiritual apart from the Holy Spirit bringing understanding. And the natural mind can't understand it. So, A person with whom the Spirit of God is not working at that point may read the Scripture, and they'll go, I don't get it. I just don't understand. It's foolishness. It's so confusing. That's evidence that the Spirit of God is not yet at work in their life through the Word of God. So I give them the Scriptures for the opportunity for the Word of God to bring to bear. But it's dependent upon the Spirit of God, Mm. just like I'm dependent upon the Spirit of God to understand the Scriptures, to teach. Mm. So I I hope that's clear, and I hope it encourages you to give the Word of God as an opportunity for people to understand, not because it's the secret magic, but because it is the tool that the Spirit of God uses to bring a person to Christ. Mm. And for those who may have the relationship with an unbeliever who says, yeah, I want to read Scripture, where would you recommend they start reading? To an un, ask it again. For an unbeliever. That is saying, where would I start reading? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are two um, places that I would consider, and you can decide which would be suit you best. I would start with one of the Gospels because the Gospels reveal the person of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark has very little what we might think of as lecture passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. almost like. Jesus in uh, high speed. It's, it's the key plays, if you will, in the life of Jesus without a bunch of action. But it reveals who God is in the life of Jesus. If you're like, no, I want to not only see what Jesus did and who he interacted with, but I'd like to read more about what he claimed, then the Gospel of John would be a good place to go where you'll get not only some of the action in the life of Jesus where you'll get more of the teachings of Jesus. So whichever one you would connect to or you think a person you're sharing with would connect to, I'd either start with the Gospel of Mark 
or the Gospel of John. I think that's that's good encouragement and, and a cool opportunity to even read with them. Um, yeah. And to have a, a time of conversation with them. If I could take it a step further, though, mm-hmm. um, Discovery Bible Study, and if mm-hmm. you Google it, you'll see it. They will, if you go to their website, instead of just focusing in a particular book, they will give a series of scriptures to encourage you to study with a person, and it will begin to lay the foundations of understanding about God before then we necessarily get into the life of Jesus. That's best, quite frankly. When a missionary goes into an unreached people group, they don't go straight to the life of Jesus. Hmm. Um, Like Tim and Andrea Ellum, one of our missionaries, they go in and they do 50 lessons of firm foundations, of foundations of starting in Genesis and studying it together with them. The reason I didn't say Genesis is because if you just give somebody the book of Genesis, they're going to be so lost and so confused about how this really relates to life and what they're really being taught, Mm. that that would be overwhelming. But if you did what Discovery Bible Study does, and that is to give them some passage that builds a theological, an understanding of God framework and an understanding of man framework, then Jesus at the right time will make the most sense. Good encouragement. And definitely check out DBS. And yeah. Let us know if you have questions. That's, that's mm-hmm. a great program. Uh, next question. He saved me from my past, but there are clear reminders of my past. Mm. He forgave me, but sometimes I have a hard time forgiving myself. What do I do? Yeah. Appreciate that question. I don't think that person, uh, I don't think you're alone in mm. that struggle. And I think it's just good to listen to what you wrote. I am unwilling to forgive myself for what? Jesus forgave me. It's a lie of the enemy that somehow you would not think you were worthy of what he was actually worthy to do. In other words, he was worthy to pay the penalty for your sin fully and completely, taking it out of the way. When we don't forgive ourselves, it's an, um, this will, Maybe a be a, a little bit hard to swallow, but it's often a matter of a pride mm. that reveals itself in shame. Now that might seem opposite, mm. but it's a pride that reveals itself in a shame that that I still need to pay. Uh, it's not. It's just too easy, and it's like no. I'm going to show that I really. Uh, I'm sorry by beating myself up more, by not letting myself off the hook, if you will. And I want to encourage you, when you think of those thoughts, simply declare a new thought. Jesus, you have paid it all. I will not hold on to something that you have taken out of the way. That passage, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, that I gave in the message, I'd encourage you to commit it to memory. And then maybe in your own language, you might tweak it from what I just said, but just commit to, Lord Jesus, I will not hold on to that which you have taken out of the way by nailing it to the cross. I'm not going to hold on to it. That might, it may flow from this place of, well, it's, I got to, Prove that I'm really sorry or it was just too bad. 
Now, that is saying that I could somehow do something that Jesus was not able to do. And I don't think you think that. I don't think you think, well, I'm able to do something that Jesus can do. You're just not willing to fully receive. Jesus paid it all. And in the meantime, because you don't forgive yourself what Jesus has forgiven you, the enemy is winning because that shame is rendering you to some degree useless and fruitless as his instrument. So fully embrace Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He has paid the debt fully, completely. Don't hold on to that which Christ has paid for. And it's a process, a, a, a daily reminder. Yeah, the process is learning to speak to the lie as soon as it comes. Absolutely. And you may go, oh, I tried and it didn't work. If you've ever had a kid, the first time they tried to walk, it didn't work. Right. That didn't mean they stopped. I just won't walk. It didn't work. It takes repetition. It takes practice. Mm -hmm. One degree of glory to another. It's going to take the practice of continually declaring the truth in the face of the lie until the lie has no power in your life anymore. And there is that, there is that promise where in the mm -hmm. future that lie is not going to have weight in your life anymore because your mind, yeah, the helmet of your salvation has become so fitted to you that it doesn't have weight anymore. But that'll take repetition. And the power of Scripture. I mean, the mm -hmm. power of truth. The power of truth. truth. Yes. Yeah. In our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, so grateful for his word. Amen. Scripture. Um, so anything you else you maybe couldn't fit in this morning that you would love to leave as an additional encouragement or challenge or anything you want to elaborate on further before we wrap? I've done it so many times that um, sometimes I don't again, but most of all, when we talk about the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit, it only achieves its full function as the sword of the Spirit in our life when we move it from here to here. And if this is new to you, this simply means when the Word of God is here, it has authority in my life. When the Word of God is here, it has consultation powers mm. in my life. In other words, I'm interested to hear what God says, and then I decide whether I think it makes sense, whether I think it's a good plan, or whether I think I should do it. And it's very easy for believers to get here with the Word of God. And, Very easy. Yes, and to go, yeah, but that doesn't really make sense. I'm not really sure that that's true. And we find ourselves saying, not I hate the Scriptures or I don't believe the Scriptures. We find ourselves saying, I know the Bible says this, but. And that often comes up in places of forgiveness. Mm. I know the Bible says this, but. Or it comes up with someone has sin and I need to go confront and we say things, I know the Bible says I should, but, and then we give the reasons why the Word of God is spoken, but we're not going to live under authority to it. For the sword to have its full protective, preparing, and prevailing work in my life, I have to start with a, uh, a disposition 
where I am under the word of God. Thankfully, I've never um, been plagued with doubt about the accuracy, the trustworthiness of the word of God. But if you are still wrestling with that, I think before I came Mm -hmm. in, Tracy gave you a good word. Resolve the trustworthiness of the scripture in your life. And once you do that, get under the word of God and Mm. resist the temptation to bail. Absolutely. To hear. Because this feels like we're still honoring, but this isn't honoring. No. (laughs) Feels close, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. We really appreciate you joining us this morning and hope you have a fantastic day.